Welcome to In It Together. I'm your host, Freddie Blooms. This is a podcast where we talk about life lessons happening in real time when people are still in the wild muck of it all. Today's guest is Rachel Goldman. Rachel Goldman is a mama, partner, writer, and yoga teacher living in Oakland, California. She is exploring how to come home to herself while in the wilderness of motherhood. In our conversation, Rachel talks about how she relates to the loss and disappointment she experiences as a sports fan as a practice ground for navigating challenges in her relationships. Some of the forms this practice take for Rachel include actually feeling difficult emotions, learning to live with the unfixed and compartmentalizing in ways that support connection. A dear friend of mine shared Rachel's offerings with me early in the pandemic. Remember the early pandemic? That was a time. Like so many other people, I was really struggling with isolation in that time and everything that goes along with that. Rachel brings so much of herself to these offerings, so they're well beyond a simply a physical practice. She also runs a very low-key book club that anyone can participate in. She shares some of her own writings, which are amazing. Absolutely the magic of reverence yoga is that Rachel brings herself in such an authentic way that the rest of us can't help but follow her lead. I know I'm evangelizing here and you're just gonna have to trust me that she's earned it. Actually, don't just trust me. Check her out yourself. You can follow her at Reverence Yoga on Instagram or go to www.reverenceyoga.studio. I just feel so lucky to learn from a teacher like Rachel, and I think you're really lucky for getting to hear from her now. And listen, thanks as always for being here. Rachel, I'm so happy to be talking to you today. Thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. And it's nice to be in conversation with you because I feel like so much of our communication with each other is in is in written form. It's true. Um, so Rachel, I know you as my yoga teacher who I found during the pandemic. So it's also mostly been virtual mm-hmm. and, or just really quick kind of before after the class. Oh, hey, how's this thing? How are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so thank you for finding time to talk with me today. And I know that you're someone who's always in a process of learning. And I'm curious, what's alive for you today? You know, I was thinking, on, I had just been at the playground with my kids. And I was thinking about this question about learning. And, you know, it's funny, because I feel like I have, I don't have time for so much in my life. And so learning in the sort of more traditional sense seems like something you make time for. And right now I feel like I'm learning a lot, but it's not, I haven't set time aside to learn it. It's in the act of it, of living my life, right. And being in relationship mostly right now, I guess, with my partner and my kids and just like learning as survival sort of. Mm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think partly as, as being a yoga teacher and someone who more importantly, just loves the practice of it. When I think about learning, I really think about practice and it's more about like, what am I practicing right now? Mm. You know, and I thought I would sort of share maybe this, this learning as a metaphor right now, um, stemming from, you know, we love sports Mm -hmm. and we're a big basketball family. So we'll just watch games all the time. We're in the thick of the season right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that sports can feel sort of trivial sometimes, but Mm -hmm. For me, there it's like this deep emotional practice being a sports lover mm-hmm. and how you deal with with losing, right? And that's something that I've been thinking a lot about in my life right now, and it's becoming a bigger practice. 
which is how we compartmentalize emotion in various ways. Um, I think from sports, it is how do I deal with my disappointment Mm. and the sort of pain of losing, which it's crazy how intense it can be. I'm like, this is, I don't know these people. This is just a passion I have. But when this team that I love is doing poorly, I feel it, right? Well, it also (laughs) makes me think of a lot of the times we can take a quote unquote failure in our learning, spiritual lessons, lives, whatever, and just turn it, you know, never a failure, always a lesson, as Rihanna's tattoo says, but with a sports game, when you lose, you lose. Totally. And and it's really making me practice how do I feel it and and move through it without numbing out, mm. really, because I think in my past, how I've dealt with disappointment or pain is definitely like a numbing out and an ignoring. And what I'm really trying to work on right now is like feeling it and just being disappointed by it and and still going forward. And, you know, sports is a low pressure thing. So it's, it's, a, it's a nice practice to experience it right now. And it's a practice that I take with me, um, you know, when I'm dealing with my kids or being with my kids and frustrated by my kids, working with my partner, being with my partner at work, you know? Yeah. What feels important about um, avoiding numbing out or stopping to feel the feelings like disappointment? Um, I, because I think it's, I think that when we avoid things, they're always going to come back. It's never about processing it. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think that the practice that is really important is holding all of the different feelings at once. And, you know, with sports in particular, I think my like lineage, uh, with emotions and sports is definitely like an avoidance. Um, we grew up like listening to sports and watching sports with my dad who very much he'll he has a funny line which is like you know for my mental health I just can't watch this game which is not (laughs) even a game when they're losing necessarily just a game that is like really tense right and yeah so that's what I what I like where I come from I think with this like connection emotionally to sports Mm. that even when it's tense I can't watch right Mm. and so for me it's really been a practice of showing up for the hard part which is what how I want to be in real life too, not just as a, as a sports fan, mm-hmm. but I want to be able to like almost make the tense moments last longer and be able to be in them more vividly. I think mm. so. That's part of a practice. Yeah, as as you're practicing that, what are you noticing coming up for you? Well, I think it's interesting to notice, like you know, everyone likes back to sports. Everyone likes to watch a blowout when their team is the one serving the blowout to the other team, right? It's also interesting how, you know, it's easy to be in relationship when it feels good, whether it's with your partner or a friend or whoever it is. Like when everything's clicking, you know, I I can even feel it in, you know, in your head where you're like, oh, this this could last forever. Like this is mm-hmm. I'm so I'm so grateful right now. I feel so blessed, right? When you're really having fun with your with your partner, with your friend, probably even with your kids, right? And then when it's hard, it becomes like, it's really easy to turn that and be like, I hate this. You know, this mm. sucks. This is, this is broken. This like, doesn't work. work. Right. And as opposed to just thinking like, this is part of it. I don't want I don't, I need to not be totally implicated by this. Cause I think I can pretty easily feel like, like this stain tears the whole piece. Right. Yeah. Well, right. And there are the feelings you're feeling 
but there's also the stories that are attached to them. So I'm wondering if there's ways that you're shifting your story of what a loss is or attention, whether in sports or in relationships. Totally. I mean, I think, you know, <clears throat> back to the the sort of analogy of how easy it is to be a fan when the team is winning, right? And you're so proud to be like, this is my team. Like, I love, look at them go. They're so great, right? And I think we do the same storytelling in our heads in our lives with relationships. Like I'm such a good parent, like, God, I'm really excelling at this. Right. And then when it's not going well, we really quickly replace those things. Right. And you, it's not, you're not so proud to be like, this is my team when you see them struggling. Right. And I, but I'm trying to, to keep more of that as best I can. I mean, this is such a practice because I feel like I really struggle with it to not, I mean, we've talked about it before this phrase, like I'm trying to be less of an all or nothing person. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I'm pretty quick emotionally to throw in the towel and like doom spiral, Mm -hmm. but to recognize if I come back to this idea of, you know, if when things feel fraught with your partner, this is, this is still my team, right? This is, this, this is something I've chosen. And even in the hard parts, this is part of the choosing. Yeah. What becomes possible when you're not throwing in the towel and when you are practicing this? I think patience, um, which we need, and not not reacting in the moment. I'm becoming more comfortable, like, in the quiet that I think is necessary in fraught time, right? Like, Hmm. okay, this this is not in the process of getting fixed in this moment. This is still really tense. But if I just sit here and, like, calm down about it internally that it's that that's that's part of the process moving forward whereas I used to not be able to do that like I used to want to mend things so quickly that nothing happens I don't think when you do that like Mm -hmm. you definitely don't give the other person space to feel what they're feeling like this how I guess what I'm trying to say is how important the, the state of not being fixed is right yeah the state of not being fixed it also makes me think of the expectations that we have in place, you know, whether usually we're not thinking about them of like, oh, this is this is going to be a good game or me and my partner are going to go do this thing together. And when something comes up that isn't pleasant or the team starts losing, there's I think I tend to spend a lot of time kind of just grading on reality itself and clinging to the idea of how I thought things were supposed to go. And I feel like that's even before I get to the true disappointment. This is me just still resisting even feeling the feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of resistance. And I think, you know, I'm I'm practicing and God bless my wife, who is mm-hmm. really helping me. We're almost like demanding it, <laughs> but that's helping too. Like becoming a more verbal person about what I'm feeling I I, that's not something that necessarily comes to me you know I think part of it is as a writer that we are most comfortable with like the edited versions of ourselves which Mm. sometimes can be this like over editing and I don't mean necessarily like a editing out but a like a polishing like I'm not comfortable saying things unless I, I definitely think it's coming out right And I have this fear of being misunderstood, which is definitely bound to happen, but I don't think the end of the world that Mm -hmm. I think it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm trying to move beyond that, but it's definitely like in my DNA at this point. (laughs) 
you know, you started with the analogy of a game that's not going how you'd hoped. And I'm wondering if having analogies like that, that are lower stakes than your relationship with your wife or children, does that help you to integrate the lessons in a different way? I think so. I mean, also, what's nice about basketball, which is the, our sport of preference, uh, is is how frequent the, the games are. So it's like, mm. you know, every other day, basically, I have this chance to like show up and work on this and see, sort of like gauge how I'm doing. Like, how am I dealing with, with disappointment right here? Um, and it's nice that it's completely internal, right? You know, I think these things that I'm working on it's important to me to bring them into the relationships that I have in my life. Like that's, that seems to me to be the most important learning, I guess, for me, how do I be in relationship in, in ways that feel richer and safer for each other and, you know, things like that. And it's nice with sports. This is like completely a practice by myself. Can I show up? Can I stay invested even when I'm frustrated can I not shut down? That's interesting that you say it's by yourself because when I think of sports games, I think of crowds of people. So I know. I mean, there are waves. <laughs> yeah. that, I mean, even when you're not in the crowd, you are in some kind of collective. And I guess you could say the same for being in relationships. It seems like it might be this insular relationship in a vacuum that you have with your wife. And yet you live in community, you have children, you have loved ones, and, and it's all kind of connected, right? So there, it feels like there's a both and there. Totally. Yeah. Relationship in family is so interesting and it sort of is similar. It, it comes back to this, why I think compartmentalization is so important. It's tricky because I think part of what makes us human is that we can't compartmentalize perfectly. Like hmm. compartmentalizing is, can be pretty robotic. I think at some point to live in this little structure of the family, when you have different kids and you have your relationship with your partner at least in my case, right? And how I have to compartmentalize if there's if there's tension or something sticky or frustrating with one person, you can't let it like bleed into all the different relationships. Mm. And that's I think that can be really hard and I don't really hear anybody talk about that in terms of how to parent well or how to human well because it's definitely not mm. just about having kids, but how do I not let something that is tension or trauma filled or whatever whatever you have how do you not let that eat away at all the other relationships that you have in that moment yeah yeah I'm interested in hearing you talk more about compartmentalization because I've questioned for myself whether that's even a skill or a value that I want because for me sometimes I think it rubs against being able to show up authentically but as you're talking I'm yeah, I'm feeling influenced and feeling like what it what it helps develop is a skill of sitting with discomfort and hopefully not stuffing the tension or feelings away in this way that you're just never going to deal with them. But yeah, and allowing functionality more, like you said, it's it's a part of learning to survive and be in you know yeah. the family unit you're in and all of that. Yeah, no, I I hear that and I hear the like complication in it and the nuance of it totally especially because that's sort of connected to this idea of numbing out, right? Mm, the like mm -hmm. uber compartmentalization of something. One thing I've noticed, for example, in going like back to work in this quote unquote traditional way, like a nine to five sure. gig where it's, although it's, it's all online, 
is that the phrase that we're using? Remote. Remote. I'm like, something about that doesn't <laughs> yeah, sound right. It's, it's on remote. The web. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it does feel super fake, though, mm. because it's remote, you know. But because that comes with, like, a lack of boundaries, to me, boundaries mm. and compartmentalization are sort of similar. And we need emotional boundaries with ourselves to survive and, and to show up for each other and show up for ourselves. And so working in this remote job, it's so easy to let this stupid stress. And I'm saying stupid, like on purpose, because it doesn't really impact me or affect me emotionally, but I can get super wrapped up into it. Mm. It's arbitrary almost, but I can get the stress can like eat away at me. Oh yeah. And I can carry it out of the room I'm working and into my, you know, I notice it in the way I communicate with my kids or mm. even how I respond to messages, like how I stay in touch with friends, X, Y, Z, right? And so that's one example where I think compartmentalization is like one of the most necessary things that we can bring to the the table when we have relationships with people, right? Because how are we going to show up whole we're not always going to be whole, right? We're going to be frustrated and we're going to be, we're going to be X, Y, Z. And I don't think, I'm not saying like you have to be whole to be in relationship, but I think it's necessary to show up as full of yourself as possible. And I feel so much less full of myself when my brain is still in the other room, like Mm. dealing with the problem from work. And my hearing is like, what you're saying is compartmentalization is a way of increasing our resilience for being in more authentic relationships. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think it, it it it's like a put the pin in it and come mm-hmm. back to it later. Mm-hmm. For me, one of like the first lessons, I wrote it in my like planner, my like work planner, which is sort of has work tasks. And then when I'm like spilling over emotionally, it has some like emotional things mm-hmm. jotted down. But it was like, what you need to practice right now is not being done, but being done for now. And I mm-hmm. think that is, that's what I mean by by compartmentalization emotionally like Mm. you don't have to be done feeling this but just just be done feeling this for now and show up to this other thing which probably is not like the solution for other people but for me it's like how do you multitask less emotionally well it's an antidote to perfectionism too oh yeah would prevent us from ever getting anywhere in conflicts or daunting work tasks it's its own version of both and or not being extreme. Like, yeah, you do what you can and feel good, like, you know, try to feel good about it and you come come back to it when it's right. Yes, totally. Yeah. The biggest practice. <laughs> um, are there challenges or rewards about this practice and process you're in that you'd like to share about? I, I think I've gotten pretty good at or better uh, starting from a place of never feeling that way. I think of like, tracking my improvements like mm. you know being proud of improving at something i mm. think um that's something i recognize that i say to myself more which is nice like mm. oh that you you're better at that now um and it's not you know of course it's not like a cockiness it's like i'm proud of you it feels good to be proud of yourself yeah. for something like well, why would you ever try something that seems really daunting unless it was actually possible that you could grow and change yeah, you know, I I think I feel my own voice in my head as more of a cheerleader than like a critic wow. now, which is which is so sweet. Yeah. You know, I would I'm not saying all the time. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm plenty critical of myself, but it feels nice to like share the mic with a more supportive voice. 
mm-hmm. in my own head right now. And I don't know what, where that's coming from. Like part, partly I think it's sort of out of survival, like born out of survival. I just like, a, I feel very like going a mile a minute, going hundred miles a minute. I don't know. It's created a space where I feel like proud of certain of my choices or growths. And that's nice. I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm sure it's <laughs> Thank not you. on accident, you know, I'm sure it's yeah. something that you've worked really hard to cultivate. What resources have been helpful to you in this process and in general? If, if, if sort of one of the bigger challenges that I, that I'm thinking about is, is how do I like, or the bigger things I'm learning is how I show up, you know, with my family. Um, I think the, one of the biggest resources having a partner who is like equally committed to growth in that way. And we are like, we couldn't be more different, right. As humans, but at the same time, commitment to improvement and growth and joy, honestly, like being with someone who is really committed to joy has mm-hmm. been really powerful for me, I think, because it helps me always recognize that when we choose that and we, we like seek it, what sort of doors open up and it's it's not flippant and it's not like choosing happiness and denying sadness but it's really this act of what we're working towards you know I hear that Um, I've never met your wife but the pictures of her her (laughs) embodiedness of her joy comes through in her smile yeah for sure for sure are there other uh resources or anything like that that you want to make sure you get to mention Definitely nature. I mean, well, I'll say what's funny is that I grew up in a very rural environment. And so I think my I've had to process and like unpackage a lot of my own sort of anxieties with nature. Mm. Um, Because for me, it always felt like it was the source of me feeling like remote and alone, you know. And so now as an adult, I'm like coming to terms with that more and really recognizing you know, that that wasn't the source of it, but it was just like a, a, a innocent standby a person who, yeah, yeah <laughs> right? And so sort of reclaiming that relationship with nature um, has been nice. And, you know, as a place to take kids to has been really nice. I want to lean into that more and I want to use that more as a tool or as a resource. Um, a book that I really think if you have not read yet, um, Ross Gay's Inciting Joy. Have you seen me talk about that? Oh, no, I know Ross Gay, but I didn't realize he'd written something. Okay, he has a new book of essays. And I always say collections of essays written by poets is like the best genre of writing that can be because it's, you know, like long form, but written by the most intentional human with oh, words, yeah. right? And emotion. And th- this book is just like blowing my mind and heart. And I think it's it's so wonderful. You would really love it. And so I I feel like anyone who's on this would really love it. And anyone who listens to your work would really love it. Just thinking about who you are as a human. I will read it. Thank you. And I feel like in terms of essays by poets, I also have to shout out one of my faves. Yeah. Hanif Abdurraqib. I may have mentioned you before, but the one, how I came across his work was uh, They Can't Kill Us Till They Kill Us. And it's a lot Mm -hmm. of um, essays about music and pop culture, but also with the lens of personal experience and the political context of being mm-hmm. a black artist in America. And uh, yeah, he's just a really gorgeous writer. So, but thank mm, you. Okay. For I think he's on my, yeah. Yeah. I know you started out framing this 
process as just another practice of one of probably a million practices you're doing. So there's no end point to it, right? However, I'm wondering what a future version of yourself looks like who has more thoroughly integrated these lessons, like the importance of feeling your feelings, including disappointment, as well as the importance of compartmentalizations in relationships. I think, uh, you know, Alicia Keys in one in her uh, tiny desk, she has this beautiful winding story before she starts about, you know, how we fight well, you know, with people we love. Mm. And she, you know, she says, you know, you, you got to just say it and, and not store it in. Right. And I think that that will be, I, I want to be someone who, who just says it like what I'm feeling in the moment. And I think it connects to all of what we're saying. I think it's like the lack of editing, you know, which is necessary. And I think, I honestly think that the more we get out of ourselves, the less that that compartmentalization will be toxic, right? Because it's not going to be a like hiding away of things. I do, And to me, that's what living like fully, me living more authentically will be me just saying it, you know? Mm um with whoever it is I think that's sort of what I look forward to I think it's easy to be like oh I'm just not like that or that's really hard for me and Mm -hmm. and there and I'm trying to more be like I see that in my future you know Mm. um and I'm excited to practice that and learn that and fuck up at it um bound to happen right yeah so yeah I'm ex- I want to I want to like hold space for that version of myself and like shout her out and be like there she's coming down the mountain you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's helpful and sweet for me to hear about you in this process because try as I might to not pedestalize people you as like mm-hmm. a teacher in my life and you know kind of a spiritual teacher yeah being in yoga it's easy for me to be like wow Rachel's really like got it figured out and so it's it's helpful for me to hear that you are struggling and messy and practicing as much as the rest of us totally totally yeah I mean and I think that for all of us even just recognizing the things that we want to work on for ourselves like we don't give ourselves enough credit about how much awareness and like intentionality and 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 just bravery that takes like when I think back to the versions of myself who are like in the most pain probably and and did the most messing up like I think that version wouldn't even look in the eye what are the things they want to work on right Mm. and so I'm 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 proud that I can articulate and like even share with other people and especially share with the people who you're practicing it with with the most right like that this is what I, where I want to be working. I think it's cool. Yeah. And it's nice to, I mean, I know that you're like that too. So it's nice to be in conversation with someone who can like hold their messy parts out for people. Yeah. Yeah. It's what makes me feel like warm and fuzzy hearing about the, your current self who is cheerleading yourself a bit and mm-hmm. being like, Hey, yeah. Cause it's easy to take for granted how far we've come. Yeah, it is. And it's easy to think, that it was like all this very continuous, you know, what's that? I feel like it's like a very often shared line about progress being like progress isn't linear. Right. Which is, it's like easy to like tap, double tap that on the internet, but then harder <laughs> to like recognize it in your own life. Right? right. Because 
really what there's just so 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 much such a a big part of your own path is it it wasn't moving forward at all right and you weren't even recognizing that it's what you needed to deal with and so you know just just holding some some reverence for for your own journey and how long it takes you know it takes what it takes (laughs) yeah thank you so much Rachel and I don't have any more questions for you, but wanted to give you an opportunity to bring up anything else that's come up for you or that you wanted to make sure you said. No, it's really nice. I'm like, maybe I should go to therapy. Like, this has really been a nice hour. Not to say that you, you've acted no, like a therapist no. here, but it's nice to sort of, to like hold hold your own journey out at a little bit of distance and, mm. and think about it. I think that's a nice process. Yeah, I think you're doing a good job. Thanks for sharing your process with me and with us today. You're welcome. Thank you, Freddie. Thanks for listening to In It Together. I'm your host, Freddie Blooms. It's hard to live, laugh, and love. We weren't meant to do this shit alone. May you go out into the wild muck and know we are in it together. Till next time. And just like that, you're heavy with the memory flash of all you lost and all that's left to lose. Find you though it happens fast, it happens slow. Around we go, that's just the way.